Episode 44 of the ASN Podcast, Daily Dan Tracy has graced us yet again with his presence. My friend, how are you? I'm good. I'm doing well. We have hit NFL Week 1, right? I think we can say that now that we're recording our episode with our uh, our Week 1 picks. So I think we made it to football season. So I'm excited. Yeah, there's no reason to be depressed anymore. Uh, you know, Yankee baseball is essentially behind us, even though we will talk about that. It's time to get depressed through the New York Jets now. Um, yeah. Get, well, we're hoping for better things, but, you know, you never know. We haven't, we haven't had an exciting season since 2015, so that's like eight years ago, if I'm doing math correctly. It's still early. Um, yeah, super, super excited. I can't wait to get this pick'em going. We got a couple of really nice things to talk about in this episode. Episode number forty-four, closing in on the big five-zero, mm-hmm. I might say. So, in a few weeks, we will definitely be there. Just wanted to, unfortunately, start the episode off on a bit of a somber note. Um, well, Jimmy Buffett has passed away. That is, I mean, I was actually going to text Dan and cancel. I'm just, <laughs> I have to go have a land shark, this and was, I have to this go was eat. it for you. And I have to go eat at a Margaritaville restaurant now, just just to make up for for my sorrows today. But uh, was younger than I thought. He was only like seventy three, I think. So I, I, for some reason, a random sports account on Twitter was the first thing that I saw that reported that. And I went to Google, and then I went to the news, and yes, it was true. So shout out to that guy who I guess reported it first. But yeah, super sad there. Uh, you know, a mixed drink feel-good music mogul, uh, was actually worth like $800 million. Because I, I watched a YouTube video, coincidentally enough, a couple weeks ago about this guy who ate at every single Margaritaville <laughs> restaurant in, in America. And uh, so I was like, wow, how much is Jimmy Buffett worth? Because, you know, they have the, um, the resorts, they have the restaurants, like he's got, he's got Landshark, like he has so many things. And it was like $850 million or something. So way more than I thought that he was worth. But uh, RIP Jimmy Buffett, a true American hero, is officially gone. I don't know how people in Long Island are going to handle this news. Uh, the Jimmy Buffett concert at Jones Beach every single year was a massive event, I will say. Uh, just filled with a bunch of 50-something-year-old party animals. And that they just trashed the beach the entire time. It was a sight to behold. So I don't know how people in Long Island are going to deal with that. But... RIP to a American hero, Jimmy Buffett. Uh, Bray Wyatt, I don't know if we have any WWE fans, but I am a fan of WWE. So Wyndham Rotunda unexpectedly passed away at the age of 36 last week. That was super, super sad. Um, apparently it was a some kind of heart complication. So that's really unfortunate, really sad. He was one of the best, most creative minds in WWE history. So super sad there. And then 
Uh, not a death to report, but I talked to Dan about this before. One of my buddies from content creating, Dan Harris, he does Let's Talk Sports, an incredible YouTube uh, channel. He has been pretty sick for the last couple months, and guy was bound to a wheelchair his entire life. You know, he never let that stop him. He created content. He lifted up everyone else's content. Super, super nice guy that just always wanted to work, always wanted to have a smile on his face, everything like that. I haven't heard from him in a couple months. I was telling Dan that yesterday I did hear from him. He said that they are moving him to a palliative care. I always have trouble saying that word for some reason, but unfortunate situation. I just want everyone to keep Dan Harris in their thoughts and prayers. Super great guy that never let his disabilities get the better of him. Uh, just praying for him to hopefully make some kind of miracle recovery and, and keep living on this earth with us because he truly is a fantastic human being. And, you know, it's sad that the that the good ones are always the ones that pass away, it seems. But just keep Dan Harris in your thoughts and prayers for me, please. That would be great. And um, closing out that segment of unfortunate news to begin the day. Dan, uh, I've been up for quite a while. This is 9.35. I've almost been up for four hours already. Uh, I had all the intentions in the world of waking up and going to the gym this morning. As I mentioned, if you guys are members of Planet Fitness, you already know that if you do not get a Smith machine at 5 or 6 o'clock in the morning, you will never do bench press or squats or any kind of deadlifts or anything like that. So uh, I woke up with all the great intentions and I didn't go because I fell asleep at like 2.15 in the morning. So didn't really have a chance to sleep all that much. And knowing my luck, I would have like torn my pack or something, uh, you know, <laughs> anyway. So I didn't go, but I've been up for a long time. I went to Starbucks. I got a nitro cold brew. I did my grocery shopping and I was ready for this episode. I'm going to, we're going to have a really, really great time here. Uh, I, I think we should start it off on a very, very fun note for us. We have the baby bombers back again. At Yankee, well, not at Yankee Stadium yet, but in Yankee pinstripes. It's super nice to see. I love the September call-ups because they always have like the really high numbers. It's like 91, 96, 98. Yeah. Like they all have like the non-permanent numbers, and it's so funny. You could definitely tell who's like a September call-up and who isn't. But the Yankees have finally unloaded the farm system. It's too little too late at this point. But um, it's super nice to see over the la over the next what month that's left of the season that we will see some of the baby bombers that hopefully will be in the lineup for a long, long time to come. I saw them ask, somebody asked Jason Dominguez how he ended up at, uh, with number 89. He said, I don't know. <laughs> so <that's> so <laughs> they just gave uh, it to They're him. as lost as we are with some of these numbers. Every, I saw people, uh, people on Twitter were like irrationally upset. They're like, why couldn't he be 18 or 12? He has to switch next year. But you know, it's the player that makes the number. It's not the number yeah. that makes the player. Look at what Aaron Judge did with 99. So anyway, numbers aside. Well, that's the only number that doesn't look really small right. on his back. So, <laughs> But numbers aside, it feels a little bit like 2016 again. You know, they called up Judge. They called up Gary Sanchez. All of a sudden, you could feel like the momentum shift. You had the season that wasn't going to end with a postseason spot. But all of a sudden, things started to feel like there was a future. He has something to look forward to. So uh, between Dominguez, between Austin Wells, who you know both had a hit last night, Dominguez had a home run. It feels like there's a reason to watch now. And obviously there's a few more young guys too, but but I think they're the center of it right now. Dude, Austin Wells with that mustache looks like he's like 35. 
He looks a little like you when you don't have the beard, when you've just got the stash going. I really appreciate you saying that because that makes me feel good that I look <laughs> like a major league baseball player. I was thinking that too. I kind of looked at his, um, I believe it was MLB posted, like uh, made it to the show or something like that, like a graphic. And it had all the Yankees that got called up. And I looked at him and I was like, I kind of look like that when I had yeah, you got a little, you got a few similarities. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I, the mustache will never reappear ever again, <laughs> just on its own. That was a one-time mistake that I wish people told me at the time was a mistake because some people had me believing I was looking good. So, <laughs> um, I'm really glad that that will never happen again. And uh, yeah, it, it's just exciting to see. And of course, like poetic, we love to always say how the NFL is poetic and all that kind of stuff. And it's just nice to see. I mean, someone that Yankee fans have been, how many years now have we known about Jason Dominguez? What, five years now? He signed in 2019 when he was uh, yeah. 16. Yeah, so he's what, 20, 21 years old now? Yeah, he's 20. I mean, your first swing in the majors against a Hall of Fame pitcher in Justin Verlander, he hit a home run against youngest, the Astros. Youngest Yankee since 1984. Yeah, I don't, I don't really buy into all that kind of stuff because they're also telling us that Anthony Volpe is having a great season because he's a 2020 player, even though he's batting like 210 and, you know, like strikes out more than any other shortstop in baseball except for Javier Baez and all that kind of stuff. But <laughs> I guess he's having a great season by Yankee standards, yeah. I guess, because as long as you could hit the long ball, that's all that matters for the Yankees. But I thought it was super crazy that like, Stan hit a home run last night. Judge hit a home run. And you don't even realize that Aaron Judge has 30 home runs while missing like 50 games this year. And Giancarlo Stanton even has 21 home runs while missing a lot of time too. And it's like, yeah. God, you just wish that we, we know what Aaron Judge can do when he's fully healthy. He is probably, a, a lot of people argue he's the best player in the game. I don't know about that. He's a top three player when he's fully healthy. Stanton, when I mean, he's a streaky hitter. He has been his entire career. but. You know, it's like, I, I don't know. He's just like, I, it's Giancarlo Stan. I want him to do well because I like him. But like he just, his contract and his, the fact that he can't hit an outside slider just really, really annoys me. But He's, another thing, I don't know if you knew, if you knew this, I, I just, I, I just kind of thought about it for a second. Do you know that since, when did he hit 59 home runs? In 2017? Mm -hmm. Yep. Last, yep. Last year. Was that yeah? His last year with the Marlins, they traded so, him in December. With Jorge Soler having as many home runs as he does now, uh, they finally have had the equivalent of more than fifty-nine home runs for their home run leaders since those seasons. So they haven't had up until this year. So say twenty twenty-two, right? For that five-year span, their leading home run guy. None of those added up to 59 home runs. Oh, yeah. Combined. That, so, no, that, I saw that stat and I was like, I was like, okay, that, that one's probably made up. <laughs> no, you know, it's, it's, it's all too real. You see some of those accounts on Twitter that are like, you know, put stats out just for engagement, like obviously not true. And that was one where I was like, well, that can't be true. There's just, you know, I don't care who's been on the team. Like, there's no way that nobody's gotten to 59. Well, I know it's like, a, it's sick, but I thought that that was like, that was such a, like Marlins stat, but yeah, I mean, well, you also have to factor in that one season. There was only 60 games and you know, like what, what did their leading home run guy have that you're like five home runs or six home runs. Yep. So, Probably. you know, you gotta, you gotta factor that in as well. But yeah, I thought that was a super, super funny stat, but 
you know, getting back to it, it's it's just nice to see. It kind of sucks that we have to like scratch and claw. And as like a fan base, it's like we almost have to revolt against like management to get them to call these guys. Yeah, out there was like begging for for something like this to happen, and they finally did it. Um, yeah, you know, I, I mean, I, I think there's there's two ways to look at it. Like, you know, Austin Wells wasn't – he was just recently promoted to AAA, wasn't really tearing up the minors. You know, no. I – the only thing – the only thing – only reason I won't say it was a mistake is he's 24. So, you know, I guess, you know, it is what it is at that point. It's not, not like you could worry too much about development, but – Yeah, well, Austin Wells was also turning into another Esteban Floreal for a time being where it yeah. was like – Hey, Floriel's looking good, and then you look at him, and you're like, "Oh my God, Floriel's 32 years old!" And it's like, <laughs> it's like, how the hell? I've been hearing, I've been hearing about Esteban Floriel in the Yankees minor league system since I yeah. was in high school. Like, it's, it's crazy. I mean, you know, it, it's the same thing as in as in 2016. Judge came up, and he was bad. Like, he was genuinely not good. And yeah. so, what did he do? He learned from it. You know, I know, I know they have that. They always tell the story about how he had, I think, he had his batting average as like his phone background for. The entire offseason because he he you know considered it unacceptable. That's some when, sick shit right there. When he came back out, his batting stance was completely different. Like if you look at 2016, and he never wore long pants again. You know, but if you look at 2016 compared to 2017, it looks like completely different players standing up there. So you know, if you get these guys up here now, and you let them struggle or not, because you know we, Gary Sanchez is the opposite. He came out completely on fire in 2016. If you let them struggle a bit and figure out, you know, the adjustments they have to make, hopefully they get the, you know, they get that out of the system now instead of in 2024 when you're actually looking to compete. You know, you don't want them to be, I hate to say it, but you don't want them to go through their Anthony Volpe phase in 2024 where they're hitting 210 for half the season and, you know, all of a sudden it's hurting you in a really competitive division. So let them get that out now, figure out who's going to be on the team next year, and then hopefully they adjust. Yeah, I I 100% agree with you. And I thought that, I mean, you know, it's not to, to knock Volpe. It's tough as a really young player. You know, it's tough to adjust like that. And, you know, you have the bright lights of New York. Everyone saying that you are the next Derek Jeter. Like, that's something that's going to mess with your psyche 100%. So, like, I thought after a while, after the first couple months when he was really, really struggling, you know, and it, you, you could understand first month all that kind of stuff. Oh, you know, he's acclimating to the game, but you know, I really thought that there should have been a point where they did bring, they did send him down to work on his swing, get his confidence back up at the plate. But he sort of kind of has worked through it. He's still not having a great season in terms of average, but he's striking out a little bit less. Uh, you know, he, he, he's making a little bit more hard contact. So it looks like he's working his way out of it. So if he could finish this last month, like hitting hitting during the month, like three fifty or three hundred, around three hundred, it's something really to build on for next year. And then all that—I shouldn't say all of it—most of that pressure is taken off because we know exactly what he can do, like at base level. Like this is a base level Anthony Volpe. I feel like it's only going to get better from here because he has all the tools to be really, really good. Exactly. I mean, the the, the flashes are there. Like you know, these are some some big things he's checked off the list. Power. He's got power. He has speed. He's playing very well defensively. He actually grades out really well. That's like that's why his his metrics, his WAR, are so high because he he's graded out really good defensively, um, taking steps forward throughout the year defensively. So you've got the power. You got the defense. You have the speed. Okay, so now you know the contact has to go up. Strikeouts have to go down. 
Uh, patience at the plate is important too. I mean, a lot of young shortstops don't have that. I know that was like Bobby Witt Jr.'s issue last year is he like rarely ever walked. And even this year, the, the even as he's gotten better, the walking still isn't really up. Sometimes that's what comes around last. Uh, so, you know, if, if he could just take a, a couple more steps forward next year, you know, even if that means hitting 240, 250, I know average isn't everything, but, you know, the 210 is maybe not, you know, not very acceptable. If he can get that up just a little bit, power keeps developing. I mean, you know, he, he could be a 25 home run hitter at 22 years old this year. That's, that's impressive. That That's, yeah. you know, it's nothing to ignore. Uh, so, you know, if you, if you account for next year and hopefully he gets better and gets, you know, more acclimated, you know, if you have a 30 home run guy at shortstop who now you can get up, you know, in year two to 240, 250 or whatever, you really have something there, especially with the defense. Yeah. So, you know, I'm not overly concerned, but yeah, I mean, next, next year is going to be pivotal, pivotal for him because it, yeah. it, then the pressure builds right back up. If you have another down year and you're two years into your career and you're going to turn 24 and you haven't shown enough yet. So, but, but next year, especially if he's playing in the shadow of a guy like Dominguez or Wells and, you know, he's not the only young guy that everybody's exactly. counting on. Uh, I think, I think that could really benefit him. You know, something that has really been bothering me, uh, Yankee Twitter and Yankee Facebook is just like the most toxic place on earth. Uh, I oh, never really Yankee read Facebook. It. It's it's wild. Yeah, I actually it's wild out there. Real quick side note: I actually had to deactivate my Facebook account yesterday because I was I, I only use Facebook for like five minutes a day just to make sure I don't miss anyone's birthday or anything like that. And uh, I looked on the bubble on the right side, and usually I'll have like a message from like my work partner or like my fiance or, or a friend or whatever, just sending me a reel or something, and. <laughs> And I go there, and there was like there was like eleven messages on there. I'm like, whoa, what the hell did I miss? Like, so I go to the messenger app, and I just see a bunch of messages coming in that are like computer codes and different languages. I'm like, oh fuck, I'm getting hacked. I'm like, shit. So I had to like shut everything down because you know, like all my family is attached to like my Facebook. So yeah. I was like, oh, I don't want this happening to them. Yeah, so get out of there. Thank God I'm out of Yankee Facebook and Jet <laughs> Facebook for right now. I, I yeah, moral of the story: you no longer have to deal with Yankee Facebook. Exactly. I'd rather get hacked and not have to deal with it than. <laughs> but but getting back to it, uh, a lot of people have been talking about Glaber Torres, and I think this is. I mean, this is a ridiculous thing for people to say. I get it. I get Yankee boomers, oh, he doesn't hustle 100% of the time. He has defensive laps. Where are you going to find a 26-year-old second baseman that puts up an 800 OPS and hits the amount of home runs that he does? He struggled the last couple of years. This year is a very Glaber-esque year. He's having a really, really good offensive year. Sure, we know that he's not the strongest defender. We know that sometimes he doesn't hustle out a ground ball to second base. But at the same time, you want to trade Glaber Torres? Where are you finding a second? Unless you trade Glaber Torres for Luis Arise, where are you finding a second baseman that could put up the numbers that he's putting up? That's a like second base is sort of kind of a black hole of a position in the MLB right now, where you can't really duplicate that type of production. So yeah, you, you know, shut up, right? Like, unless you have like Marcus Simeon or something. You know, you're not you're not getting this type of production. But uh I mean that's just know, a ridiculous argument that people are making, like, oh, we gotta trade Glaber. What? No, the Yankee fan base has been been like I don't know, it's so odd the way they oppose Glaber. Like maybe because they're like allergic to to the occasional, you know, defensive issue. Like we know he's got a few issues in the field, but eight hundred OPS, he's hitting two seventy. He's on pace for like twenty eight twenty three right now. 
um, you know, clearly taking a step forward from last season. All the numbers Absolutely. are a little bit up from last year. I, I he's on base percentage is three forty. I don't I don't see why you know I don't see why the the fan base turns on him so much, especially when you've got this team that can't hit. Like nobody's hitting except for Judge. And yet, you, you know, this is the guy you take it out on. I, I don't really understand that. <laughs> I just always feel like every time, and like my dad <laughs> is 100% guilty of it too. We're like, we'll be watching a game together and Glibber Torres will hit like a one hop bullet to the first baseman. And and then he'll be out by 78 feet. And then my dad's like, he didn't hustle down the line. I'm like, what is the point of hustling yeah. down the line when – you literally hit the ball, and you're going to be out in, in- on, on this team where where half the roster is injured. You know why are you going to in- risk injury yourself? Yeah, next thing you know, like he he's hustling to first base, he pulls a hammy, and they yeah, go. Yeah, I mean that oh, would that's 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 on the IL again, injury prone. Like, give me a freaking break! Come on, now what are you happy about one thing? What do you think contract wise though? Because he's next year is a contract year for him. Do you wait to see how 2024 goes? Or do yeah. you try to extend him? No, I, I mean, it. Hal Steinbrenner looks like the type of guy that's probably not going to let a good player on the Yankees bet on himself again because it, yeah. <laughs> it cost Hal <laughs> quite a bit of money. It cost him quite a bit of money last time that they kind of let that slide. Glaber is no Aaron Judge. But we've also seen Glaber Torres have a 38 home run season where he batted like 278 or something like that. So would you rather paint, say he hits 27 home runs this year and he bats 275? Would you rather re-sign him now? Or would you rather him clean up his defensive lapses, hit 280, hit 30 home runs next year, and now you're looking at a Marcus Semien type of deal for a 27-year-old second baseman? You know, I, I it's tough to say because this is such a good year for him too. I think the type of front office that the Yankees have right now, we're looking at a waiting game where it's like, okay, well, Glaber was really good this year, but the last couple of years he wasn't so great. So we're going to wait until he craps out next year, and then we're going to re-sign him to a long-term deal then. We'll be like, oh, 230 with 13 home runs, 10-year extension. Like, it just kind of seems like the type of business that the Yankees yeah. are doing. But if it was me, I would just extend him now and get it over with. It wouldn't be like a, these extensions are getting so egregious with the years. Like I'm not signing anyone to a 10-year extension, unless you're Aaron Judge. Not signing you long-term like that. Five, six years so he could play throughout his early 30s. And you know, once he starts getting in that physical decline around like 34 years old, you know, you give him, I don't know, what do you even give him? What's the going rate for a second baseman? Do you give him 20, $25 million a year? I don't even know what the hell they make you know yeah i mean when i think of it yeah it, it seems like if he could actually finish this year strong you know something in the in the five-year hundred million dollar range i mean who knows I, I could be grossly underestimating it if they really value him that much i could be overestimating it yeah um but you know marcus Semyon got 25 million a year after I, I believe it was seven years, one seventy-five. Something like after, that. Yeah. After that forty-five home run season in Toronto, he you know also plays great defense and all that. Even if forty-five home runs wasn't sustainable, um, you know, so that's twenty-five million a year. I, I could see Glaber if if Semyon after that year gets twenty-five, Glaber being closer to twenty, hopefully on a shorter deal. Although I guess you know this is a team that once gave Aaron Hicks a seven-year deal. Oh my God! So Glaber's twenty six. You know, if you give him an extension now, 
I guess I guess it could be longer than five. You know, it could be six, and then you you maybe you bring down the average value. Which which if you could actually do that and like bring down the average cost, that would be fine. This is the problem with the Yankees, though, Dan. We're looking at a team that will sign these players through their late thirties, and then you end up with another Josh Donaldson situation where. Well, luckily, they can't that. do that with Labor because he's twenty six. So you know, worst know. case scenario. I but I'm saying even for like. I'm not really comfortable fielding a middle infielder past the age of like 34. Okay, but I, but that's eight years from now. I don't think they're going to give him more than an eight-year deal. Well, I don't think they thing, give him more like, than six. We're not looking at a double-digit year extension, I don't no. think. Like, I'm I, I can't imagine fine. that. Seven, eight years is completely fine with me because, you know, like, like we've never truly seen Glaber Torres's play decline. He goes through hot streaks and cold he, streaks. He's very inconsistent. He's inconsistent, but which, we've which, and it all like, averages out actually pretty well. But but yeah. the you know the highs are high, the lows are low. Yeah, he's like John Carlos Stanton, except he kind of has a better eye. So I'm completely fine with it because it's you know what, and it also has to do with the position too. If this was third base, and it's like well, 800 OPS, like 27 home runs, you can get that from a lot of third basemen. In 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 MLB, you can't really duplicate that that much with a second baseman. So. If they wait next year, he's got like a 750, 800 OPS. You know, you got to pull the trigger. You got to extend him because you're not duplicating that type of production. And, you know, the Yankees dig the long ball. So they could give a shit less about any other aspect of offense. If you're a second baseman that could hit home runs, you know, at a consistent rate, they're going to resign you. So I I think Glaber resigns long term um, in New York. I mean, that's just, that would just be another massive hole for the Yankees to like have to deal with. And, it, you know, I'd, I'd just rather not because Torres is still young enough to the point where if you do give him a mega extension, he could kind of play through the majority of the extension and not be like, oh, my God, like he's making $25 billion a year and, and he's batting 117, you know, like <laughs> so right. he'll be there throughout basically the prime years of his playing career. Future is right. Question mark? Nah, no, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> I definitely wouldn't say that. But yeah, you know, it's just getting back to the whole thing. It, it you know, September call ups are super exciting because you get a little taste of some of the top prospects, and then of course you get the great stories of the guys that have been in the minors for like twenty eight years. And uh, you know, he's forty five years old, bagging groceries on you know on the weekends when he's not playing. And then he gets a hit in his first career game, and then he just kind of, you know, drifts off into obscurity for the rest of his life. So, Sounds very specific. No, nah, I don't know. I just <laughs> off the top of my head, but uh, yeah, you know, it's it's it, it's cool to see. It's nice to see. I wish that we had the rosters at like forty guys throughout the entire year. I really do. I know. I know that's like crazy. It's but a lot of guys. That is a lot of guys. It is crazy. The dugout's not big enough for forty guys. But um, yeah, I just I love seeing like. The, the young guys play and, and then some of the older guys get like a nice see like like the A's or like the Royals, you know, like you're going to see like those older veterans that it's like, well, he can't do worse than what we have, you know, so it's nice. You'll see a lot of those guys that are like eight, nine years in the minors. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you'll get one, one of those cool stories where in his first at bat, you know, he hits a home run or something like that. And, you know, it's nice to see. It's a fun time for baseball, especially like it gives the non-playoff teams something to watch. Yeah. Like, so, so I enjoy September baseball a lot. And um, yeah, man, it's, it, it's nice to see that we're going to get a full-blown month out of these young kids for the Yankees. 
Yeah, like I said, it feels a lot like 2016 where the you know the the hope for the postseason is gone, but uh, all of a sudden you feel a little life come back to the team. So hopefully the next month is is at least entertaining, gives you some hope. Indeed. Sorry, I was I I can't I need glasses. I can't see shit. Uh, <laughs> but you're 100 percent right now. Now that we got the Yankee talk out of our system, I think it's time to get down to business. Football. It's time to talk about the NFL season. Yeah. We made it. We made it. So we, 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 we tickled it before when we talked about it. We have made it to the NFL season. Super, super excited. Super happy, honestly. This is I – was, I was live on my new show, shameless plug right here, called the Tuesday Night Tailgate on the Bloodline Entertainment Network on YouTube. It's a live show, so if you guys are interested on Tuesday nights, please come aboard. It's 8 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, 8 or 9. I don't even remember. Uh, probably 9 o'clock um, on the East Coast. But I was talking with my buddy Tim, and uh, we I was talking about how this year feels like the longest it's taken to get to the NFL season. Like, I feel like, I feel like kickoff was a week away, like six weeks ago. And I feel like every time that I look, I'm just like, oh God, we're still so far away. But, you know, as at the time of recording, we are five days away from the Lions and the Chiefs, which is super, super exciting. And that's the first game that we're going to get into here. We're going to get into the Lions and the Chiefs. Um, Dan, would you like to explain the Pick'em group? Again, before we get into it. Yeah, last year we did it. We did an NFL pick'em group. Got a few people, had a good time with it. Um, you know, we're so it's it's picking every game outright, right? Not against the spread. Yeah, outright. Yeah. yeah. So we so you know we did that, and then we and then on here we kept track of our picks. We kept track of. Didn't we finish like almost identical? Yeah, me and you finished one and two in the group. I'm pretty sure, or like actually no, no, neither of us finished. We finished, I think, two and three. And I think but didn't you, we have like the almost the same record? You had but one like, game above me, one game off, and then I think the playoffs, like you know, and then the playoffs, we ended up with an identical record, right? Yeah. So, so we keep track of it on here. I, I think the more people, the better. Who, who yeah. join the group? I guess we'll we'll put the link up on everything, like yeah. on, on Instagram, Twitter, and all that. The more people who join the group, the better, because then we can you know keep track of it and be competitive. We did get a decent amount of people. I'm gonna say yeah. at the height of that group last year, there was like thirty something people in there. Yeah. So. so so you know we love as many people as possible to just pick the games each week, get them in before Thursday. Don't be like me and miss a couple of them. <laughs> uh, and and you know that then we could actually have some fun with it, and it's not just uh, me and you doing our thing. Yeah, I had this one guy last year. He'll probably join again. He was just absolutely harassing me every single week <laughs> because I'm assuming that he was like in first place and he was just like, what's the prize? What's the prize? And then I was just like, you know what? There is no prize. It's recognition. <laughs> I was like, leave me alone. But uh, yeah, no, it, it's super fun. And, and, you know, it's a nice little petty rivalry that Dan and I have. It's mostly on my side. Dan is all love. I'm always all about the pettiness. So, well, this year I'm going to try to end it early. I'm going to try to take a big lead. Nah, no way. I'm not letting it happen, dude. No shot. Uh, <laughs> it got way so, too competitive last year. It, it I, did. I, was, I, was it, I mean, there was episodes where you had like a six-game lead, and I was hating you. I was just like looking at you, like I hate this guy. There was there was one week where I was like, "Wow, thirteen and three or fourteen and yeah, three. and I was like, Haha. and then we, we kind of came back toward the middle. I was like, Haha, seven and nine, that. and Dan was like thirteen and three, and I'm like, this fuck this guy. <laughs> But we're going to get into it right now. We're going to make our picks. First game, 
interesting kickoff game because I feel like you usually see I know that everyone's second favorite team in the United States right now is the Detroit Lions, but um, I don't know. That doesn't really move the needle as much for me, seeing KC and Detroit. Like, it could be an offensive explosion, but at the same time, the Detroit Lions are razor thin at the wide receiver position right now. So I don't really know how much scoring there's going to be on the Detroit side of things. Yeah, it's unique. Um, you know, it's definitely not like last year, where a lot of people last year thought, and of course this ended up being pretty incorrect, but a lot of people thought the Bills and Rams were maybe two the two best teams in football. The Rams were the reigning champions, and then the Bills were everybody's, you know, pick to, to go all the way. Um, so this is a little bit different, because the Chiefs are kind, of, are kind of decisive favorites, even though in the NFL anything can happen. I, I'll say, I was I, we probably talked about this back in like May, but I was a little bit surprised that they went with this game. Uh, you know, they, they play the Eagles at home this year. They play the Bills at home. They play the Bengals at home. Any one of those would have, would have made a little more, a little bit more sense. If I have to guess, though, I think the NFL realizes that people are going to watch the first game. Like, you could yeah. put, you know, I'm looking at their home schedule here. Like, you could put the Raiders, you could put the Broncos in, in week one in, on, you know, the kickoff night against the Chiefs. Everybody's going to watch. It's not going to change the fact that, that America's watching. So I guess they're saying, well, we'll take the audience with the Lions, and then we'll save the Bills, we'll save the Bengals, we'll save the Eagles for those random Sundays later in the year. So I think that's their logic. But um, I, I'm not going to go too bold here. You know, if we're going to do our picks now, I'm not going to yeah. go too bold and, and call it a Lions win. I agree with you. I think that's a problem, that, that Amon Ross St. Brown is pretty much the only – Option in the passing game. I, I am pretty interested to see what Sam Laporta can do. I do like Sam Laporta. They seem like they're super high on him. They are. You know, they they there was never really a doubt that he was going to be their primary tight end. They've oh, got a very interesting Brock Wright game was going to slide Montgomery. in and, and steal the st- the starting tight end position. You didn't you didn't think that he was going to have a stellar camp? Yeah, I mean, well, they they <laughs> they invested. You know, it's funny. Rookie tight ends usually don't. Don't come up right away and have that. We, big year there's, I, I tell you what, there's three off the top of my head that I'm like, wow, these guys could be legitimate, like top 15 fantasy yeah. options. And that's Luke Musgrave, that's Dalton Kincaid, and that's Sam Laporta. And two of those were second round picks. Yeah. So then, you know, on top of that, there's Michael Mayer, who, you know, is competing in Vegas. Um, and obviously the Dalton Kincaid thing is interesting because Dawson Knox is involved there. So, you know, it's like nobody has as clear of a shot as the two second-round picks, which are, you know, Laporta and uh, and Luke Musgrave, mm-hmm. who kind of don't have a ton of competition. But anyway, I won't go too far, too deep into that. Uh, I, I think the you know, the Chiefs are not perfect. Uh, I might not rank them first this year. I think there are a few issues. You know, the, the tackles are a little bit of a question. Chris Jones isn't there, and it's five days out, and he doesn't look like he's ready to come back. That's a little bit of a problem. Um, but with the, with the Arrowhead stadium crowd behind them, you know, in the, on ring night against the lions team that, you know, even though they've gotten better, they still don't really have the defense. Uh, I, I think the chiefs are, are definitely the, the right team to pick here. Yeah. I'm going to go with the chiefs too. And I, I, I agree with you. The tackles, I mean, you go from, you know, having what they had in Orlando Brown and, um, what the heck was his name? That was, that was Andrew funny. Wiley. Andrew Wiley, thank you. You go from that to, you know, Donovan Smith and Jawan Taylor. And Taylor has one good season under his belt as a pro. And that earned him $20 million a year. 
And then you have Donovan Smith, who's getting towards the twilight of his career. Yeah. And had a really rough year last year. A lot really of penalties. Bad. I mean, he's been super solid over his entire career. Last year was really rough. Maybe a change of scenery can help. But, you know, if Detroit Lions, the Detroit Lions have a great pass rush, uh, if, if Casey can hold their own on the offensive line, I'll feel a lot better about this offensive line going forward because I do believe that Detroit has a top 10 pass rush in terms of um, depth, in terms of yeah. you know production, all that kind of stuff. So if they can hold their own against that unit, I'll feel better. But like you said, there's no reason to make any bold predictions here. Ring night, Arrowhead Stadium, week one, Travis Kelsey's going to catch three touchdowns. Yeah, they could go down twenty at halftime, and I'm still—I think I'm still picking the Chiefs. I mean, yeah, we've seen this over and over. Oh, classic Dan with the safe pick. Oh, <laughs> Here we go, first pick of the year. You're gonna—you're gonna start. Oh, well, I have to. I have to get in your head somehow. You're who, you know, Dan we all un- ended up. I think I ended up one game ahead of you, so I, I made the picks that worked. Dan is unflappable. He really is. So, like, I could say anything, and he's just like, "Oh, that sucks." And he, just, he doesn't care, but. Next game on the slate, we'll probably try and get the easier ones out of the way first. The Texans and the Ravens, uh, I really think I was, I, I believe you are too. I'm super high on the Ravens this year. Yeah, I, I think I think that with the team that they had last year, they made the playoffs. They pushed the Bengals to their absolute limit in the playoffs with Tyler Huntley as their starting quarterback and uh, Demarcus Robinson as their number one wide receiver. If this team could stay relatively healthy, I feel like even with the defensive issues or the defensive shortcomings that they do have in the secondary and on the defensive line, I think this team is going to be really, really well off. And the Texans are a team that is still learning. I think that the Texans can win six games this year. I know that's like, oh, 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 wow, that's not that much. But I do think that they have real potential and they're they're, they're, Team isn't fully put together yet. They do have a lot of holes still, but I think they're going to surprise a lot of people. I don't think this is going to be particularly close, though. Uh, I do think that Lamar is hungry this year to to prove that he can do it in the playoffs and he could be healthy enough for the playoffs. I have the Ravens winning big in this one. I'm going to say by I'll say by like 20 points, honestly. Yeah, I I, I said in my ranking, Ravens really don't have any excuses. I mean, they've got the the contract situation done. New offensive coordinator. They have receivers. The defense is in good shape. I, I, I don't see really a reason why they, they shouldn't be a playoff team and, and probably win a playoff game. The only reason I don't say further is because of how loaded the AFC is. There's you know, may, maybe three teams clearly ahead of them. But uh, this one should be easy. Like This is one you've got to take care of business in. Um, I, I think even if they only won by a little bit, that would still seem like a disappointment. You've got to go in and, and make a statement. Uh, against the Texans at home, and I think they will. I, I mean, I just I think the talent gap is too big. We talk about the Texans. There's really just you know there aren't as many holes as usual, but there's a, a, a real lack of high end talent. And you know it's pretty clear C.J. Stroud is going to take some time, and, and that's okay. Um, but the Ravens are are the, the decisively better team here. So yeah, absolutely. I don't think there's any way to to you know like you said before. There's no reason to make any egregious picks. Um, you know, this is this is a, a relative. I'm not going to say easy because no no game in the NFL is easy. But um, the Ravens have a knack of just making life sort of kind of a living yeah. hell for for rookie quarterbacks. So I don't think it's going to be easy for C.J. Stroud, but I think he'll be he'll be fine. I really do. But this one definitely goes to the Ravens. Next game here, potential to to be a really good one. Honestly, you have the Panthers and the Falcons. Now this is like super interesting because. You know, this is Bryce Young's debut. The Carolina Panthers are a much, much improved football team. 
uh, the Falcons are a much improved football team. I think that they had, in terms of whole offseason, I think the Falcons had the best offseason out of any team in the NFL. Mm-hmm. I really, really do think that. And that's even including the Jets and the, and the Steelers and guys like that. But, you know, it's the, the – we, we had a couple bangers between the two last year. And um, it's a division game. There's no reason to think that this isn't going to be super competitive. Uh, I would. I, I'm very curious to see what Bijan Robinson does. I'm really, really excited for that. It's just going to be a game like this is a game that's going to be highlighted by like the the rookies. I feel like. Yeah, definitely. I I think uh, it's going to be a very slow start. I think for the Panthers this year. I think it's going to be a, a, an offensive mess at first you know Bryce Young will take his time they, he doesn't have a lot of receivers you know they're getting some new pieces acclimated in the run game completely new system too with Frank Reich I think this is a team that's going to be much better week 17 than yeah. oh, week week, eight, week 18 than week one uh so I, I think the Falcons are more ready to win right now you know they they aside from Bijan Robinson they've they've got guys who have been in the system uh, I, as you know we, we are pretty high on them you know very strong running game strong offensive line they added to the defense uh they're at home i saw i I gotta go with the falcons i think the panthers can get them later in the year yeah i um i'm gonna agree i'm gonna agree for sure uh i think that the panthers defense is a super underrated unit uh they've added as well i mean brian burns has to be the most underrated pass rusher in football. The guy is just excellent. I do think that they, uh, wait, did you say the Falcons or the Panthers? I might've misheard you. I went, I went with the Falcons. Uh, I'm going to go with the Panthers. Actually. Okay. I think that I agree that they're going to start off slow, but at the same time, this Falcons team with Desmond Ritter, I mean, you know what you're going to get from this team, you know, and I know that they have Kyle Pitts. I know that they have Drake London, Drake London really, really improved towards the end of last season. And it looked like he had a rapport with Desmond Ritter. But at the same time, it's still Desmond Ritter, and they only allowed him to throw the ball, you know, like one set of every three downs last year. He only had two touchdowns. He didn't really, he had no interceptions. He didn't really throw the football a lot. Um, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how he's acclimated in the offense. But for now, if I'm Frank, if I'm Frank Reich and the defensive coordinator, we're stacking the box with eight guys. I'm going to make you beat me with your arm. I'm not going to let you run all over me. And I think that the, Panthers are going to take advantage of that. I don't think it's going to be as high scoring as people say. It's going to be a slow start for both both teams, but I'm going to go with the uh, Carolina Panthers on this well, one. They, they do have a great new defensive coordinator, Giro Avero, who came mm-hmm. over from Denver. So, you know, he's going to he's going to know how to scheme against them. So, I think I think this is going to be a great week one matchup. Excellent. Probably going to be an important one too. I mean, Probably. if you look at this division, like this this could mean a ton late in the season. So every division game in the NFC South is going to be very, very pivotal. Um, Let's see, moving on here, we have the Jaguars and the Colts. Uh, Another one to me that just seems, I don't want to say easy, but the safest pick is the Jacksonville Jaguars for me. I think that they're going to come out guns blazing. This is a team that could have a top five. I mean, on paper, they have a top five offense could very well have a top five offense. Uh, defensively, they have more than enough players to get it done. This is also Anthony Richardson's first game in the NFL. Don't really know what we're going to get from Anthony Richardson yet. He has all the talent in the world to be an amazing, amazing quarterback. But, you know, 
He hasn't really put it together yet, obviously. So I don't think that he's going to come out week one and light the Jaguars' defense on fire. I just don't think that that's going to happen. I think that throughout the season, kind of like what you said with Bryce Young and the Carolina Panthers, we're going to see him improve steadily as the year goes on. But right now, he's just too green as a passer. I do think that the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to expose that, and I think the Jaguars get the job done week one. Yeah, you know, I think we're going to see some flashes. And then we're going to see some mistakes, and it's probably going to end up being a, a pretty decisive Jaguars win. I mean, you can see that that young Jaguars secondary, Tyson Campbell and all that, taking advantage of a couple of those mistakes. Uh, you know, it's not impossible to see, uh, to see some real, you know, real flashes from Richardson. I, I think in the preseason, he's shown that arm. We talked about it before. You know, there, there were some instances in the preseason where he, he had some great throws, and then nobody was catching them. Uh, and that's unfortunately, I don't think that that problem is going away. Cause some of those guys who weren't catching them were regular players, like Alec Pierce, who are you mm-hmm. who are going to be have to be involved in the offense. So I, I think the whole offense, especially without Jonathan Taylor, um, is going to be a, a huge work in progress this year. And unfortunately, Jaguars are just much better right now. I think they go into Indianapolis to take that win. Yeah, regardless, easily. that's what I was going to say. Regardless of where the game actually is, yeah, it's I don't I don't think that. The Colts really. I, I also think that the whole Jim Irsay thing kind of overshadows the game itself. Like this is kind of like how Chris Jones is like a looming cloud over the the Kansas City Chiefs. Like I feel like Jim Irsay is the same thing with the Colts. But you know the Chiefs are just uber talented. But I agree with you. Safe Dan making the pick again. Uh, <laughs> moving on to the uh, the Tennessee Titans and the New Orleans Saints. Now this screams ugly to me. This screams like just oh, an yeah. ugly football game. You got two offenses that, I mean, even I, I've been saying it, even with, you know, Traylon Burks, Chiga Quanquo, DeAndre Hopkins, Derrick Henry, I still don't think this offense is going to be good. I really don't. And I think it just lies with the offensive line and the quarterback play. I think Ryan Tannehill is going to take another step back this year. He's not going to be great. And then behind him, I mean, yeah, we saw Malik Willis make a couple really nice throws in preseason. It's still Malik Willis. And then behind that, you have Will Levis. So, I mean, where is there to turn? You might have to stick with Ryan Tannehill the entire season. Um, Same thing on the New Orleans side. I think that this is an improved team from last year, but that's not really saying too, too much. Uh, I, I, you know, their run game, even without um, Alvin Kamara, you know, you still have Jamal Williams, you have Kendra Miller. So I think that should be fine. They have a decent enough offensive line, a decent enough defense, a little bit older as well. Um, but I, this is a close one for me, honestly. I don't really know which way I'm going to take it. Uh, I'm just going to say the Tennessee Titans and just kind of hope for the best. <laughs> is, is Michael Thomas going to play football finally? Is he actually like, I mean, we're five days out. He's still healthy. We'll see what happens. So yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Uh, now, these are two teams I'm pretty low on. I'm, I'm very low on the Saints compared to most people. I think a lot of people kind of just wrote them in to win the NFC South. I don't agree with that. I think the defense has gotten – I think most of the key pieces on defense, aside from Marshawn Lattimore, are over 30. Don't think Derek Carr is a gigantic upgrade over Andy Dalton. Um, and, I, you know, I, I'm not sure I see this team cruising to the NFC South title. Of course they can win it. But, um, you know, on the other side, I'm not really too confident in the Titans' offense either. I think what's important, though, this is a Titans team that's pretty high risk with injuries. It's week one. They're they're healthy. Like, I'm not sure they're going to stay healthy. <clears throat> but for now, they are healthy. Having some trouble uh, over I there, huh, I, bud? 
<clears throat> I think I have to go with Tennessee here. <laughs> I, I, I do. I think this is going to be like one of those eighteen to sixteen games. That's what I'm saying. Right? It's going to be ugly. It's going to be. It's going to be gritty. And guess who knows how to win those games? Mike Vrabel. Yeah. Like when he goes up against those those great offenses, that's when you worry because it's not that he can't coach against them; it's that they don't have the offense to keep up with it. I think they've got enough to keep up with the a Saints team in what should be a, a grinded out game. What is is Randy Bullock still their kicker? Do I have that right? Fat Randy Bullock. Fat, yeah. Is Fat Randy still their kicker? I think he's going to win it at the end. I think it's going to be a. I think it's going to be a last minute field goal. There's nothing that churns my stomach more than having to rely on Andy, uh, Andy, Randy Bullock for a game winning field goal. <laughs> it really, it really just it sinks my my heart into my feet when I see that guy lining up with one second left to make a kick to win a game. It just. It's happened far too often, and and I, I well, I I think he's going to do it to you again, week one, road win. Uh, that just sounds like such like such a Tennessee win, like grind it out, like score seventeen points, win it at the death. Like that's yeah. just a very Tennessee win. So I'm going to agree with you on that. That, but also, you never know. Or New Orleans can come out and and score thirty five points. Like this is just a very like unpredictable game, but I am going to go with you on that one as well. But you know what? I, I have to issue one correction. Randy Bullock is a free agent. Thank God. And Nick Folk, Nick Folk is now there. Oh, Nick Folk yeah, at, I feel, uh, I feel 60 a lot years better. Old. I feel a lot better about that. <laughs> that makes me feel a lot better. I forgot that they traded for him. Um, yeah, he's 30, 38 years old. Yeah, but I mean, kickers could be so Vinatieri kicking yeah. side winding. No, I just, I just, I'm like shocked 60. that he's, you know, he was out of the league for like a year because the Jets released him. He was not not to go down the Nick Folk rabbit hole, but the Jets released him, and then he signed with the Bucks, and he had a terrible first month and a half, and they got rid of him. Uh, and I thought that was it. And then the Patriots, of course, rescued him, and turned not only rescued him, but turned him into like a top five kicker. In the yeah, NFL. he was like a, the number one miss. fantasy kicker like two years ago yeah. or something like that. <laughs> He's been around forever. I know it's hilarious. Well, they Shout do. Love, Titans do love their expatriates, and they love the Patriot. The Patriots kickers too, because remember they had Goskowski yes. for a year, which That's started right. out really rough, and then he got on track. That's right. I forgot about that. Well, you really went down that kicker rabbit hole there. Um, Just some kicker lore for everybody. Some kicker lore. Uh, Eagles and Patriots. I have up next on here. Um, I think this is the start of the rough season for the New England Patriots. I think. I obviously. I mean, it's the first week. Of course, it's the start, but I think we're going to see. The fact that the New England Patriots offense just can't match really anyone else in the NFL. I mean, besides for a few teams, of course. But you know, the defense is always going to keep them in games. I feel like they'll lose a lot a lot of games because they just can't like the defense will hold teams to 24 points and they'll score 23. Like I don't think I don't have any confidence in this offense to win games even with the ball, even with the ball under two minutes. Like it's not a good two-minute offense. It's not inspiring. They have a ton of like secondary receivers as their top receivers. Mac Jones, you know, you never know what you're going to get. And then they had Bailey Zappi. They cut. Now he's on the practice squad. Malik Cunningham is cut on the practice squad. You know, and it's it's either Matt, it's either Mac Jones or Matt Corral right now. So really not inspiring. The Eagles, I feel like, are there's going to be no Super Bowl hangover for the Eagles. Their team is just too talented on offense, too talented on defense. I think that this is an easy, I think this is an embarrassing loss 
for the pits for the um for the for, oh my god for the New England Patriots. <laughs> I'm I'm talking like forty five to like ten. I really think I really think this is going to be embarrassing. Yeah, I, I may not go that far, but I will take the Eagles. Uh, you know what? Fifty two to ten. All right, can I get you up to fifty nine? That's a stretch. <laughs> oh, that's where you draw the line. Okay, I draw the line there. Yeah, I, I'm going to go with. Uh, I definitely go with the Eagles. I, I, I think it's a game where the Patriots fan base is going to be humbled a little bit, even if it's not a blowout. I, even if it's not a complete blowout, I think this is the game where they're going to realize uh, our offensive problems are maybe not just the result of Matt Patricia. I, mm. I, you know, I think a lot of a lot of the Patriots fans have this idea that like, oh, Bill O'Brien is going to come in and. And solve everything just by not being Matt Patricia and Mac Jones is going to be, you know, yeah, be Bill O'Brien is still Bill O'Brien. They still Bill O'Brien, uh, who admittedly should be better than 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 Matt Patricia. But yeah. you know, the the real issue is the talent. And it's not that anybody is terrible. I don't think Mac Jones is terrible. But you know, look at the division he's in. Look at the conference he's in. He's a he's cl- much closer to the bottom among quarterbacks than he is to the top. Absolutely. Uh, I, yeah, I I think even they're at home, right? In this one, I think even yeah. at home. This is this is not uh, this is not a game where they match up with, with an Eagles offense that is ridiculously good and a defense that still has uh, a lot of the talent ahead last year, especially I, in the secondary. I agree. I agree, a hundred percent. I do agree. Moving on to this is I'm going to go out and say Dan. Going to go out. You know me. I, I'm I'm a I'm a lover of bold claims, and ninety seven percent of the time the bold claims never come true. But uh, I'm going to go out and say that this is the barn burner of the week, and that is the Los Angeles Chargers and the Miami Dolphins. Oh, I thought you were going to come at me with Cardinals Commanders. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm not that egregious. But um, two extremely high-powered offenses and two very questionable defenses as well. I mean, the the, the Dolphins defense looks a lot better with Jalen Ramsey on it, and uh, they don't have that right now. I'm really glad that we have this matchup in week one because we had yeah. it last year and two was healthy for it, but it just seemed like it just seemed like the the rosters were too beaten up. You know, Tua had was not long uh, he hadn't he hadn't returned too long ago from the concussion, the first concussion. Um, you know, the Chargers had everybody hurt. We finally get a chance to see the entire Chargers roster out here. Uh, can't really say the same about the Dolphins because of Jalen Ramsey, but we see we get to see the whole offense. Tua healthy. You know, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle out there. So I'm I'm really, really glad we get this week one matchup before these two teams start breaking down. Uh I, I think it's I think it's gonna be a close one. And honestly, I'm I'm probably leaning toward the Dolphins, uh, while we have them healthy, again, aside from Jalen Ramsey. Yes, I am concerned about the secondary. Uh against you know that now now we have a three headed monster of Mike Williams yeah. and Keenan Allen and, and Quentin Johnston. Um and I, I'm very interested to see what Kellen Moore can do with that offense. If it takes the next step, if it does, then you know they can win this game without a doubt. Um, but I remember how good the Dolphins were last last uh, last September when they had everybody. They got they had everybody healthy. There were no concerns about anybody's concussions. You know that whole offense was clicking, uh, and they were just carving up secondaries. And I, you know, until we see more from this Chargers defense. Uh, and you know, of course, we 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 know that the Chargers don't really have a home field advantage anywhere. Yeah, uh, I, I think the Dolphins can I go in, and in there, huh? I think they can go in and avenge last year's uh, last year's loss in LA. I believe that was in LA. Avenge that loss, go in and get uh, uh, a high scoring win over the Chargers. 
I think last year too, when they played them, they they actually defended them really well. Uh, I know it's the new defensive coordinator, Vic Fangio. Justin mm-hmm. Herbert did not really have the game of his life. I, they limited them to a bunch of field goals, especially in the second half. They can do that again. They can, you know, obviously Jalen Ramsey was not on the team. If they can find a way to do that again, I think the Dolphins can win this one. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go with a little bit of a road win. I'm going to uh, disagree, and I'm going to go with the Always Los go Angeles. with the safe pick, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, the reason I'm going with the Chargers is really the offensive line for the Dolphins really scares me. And um, you want to talk about healthy, we're looking at a healthy uh, pass rush for the Los Angeles yeah, Chargers. Which they didn't have most of last year. And I think that if you give two a time, he's going to carve you up. I don't think he's going to get much time in this game. I, re- I really don't. I think having a healthy Derwin James as well is going to kind of mediate that secondary, kind of kind of mask the fact that their secondary is not great outside of really him. Um, you know, kind of help help out with Tyreek Hill, all that kind of stuff. I do think that the Chargers pass, pass rush is going to get to Tua. And this is someone that, you know, you really hate to say it, but like, Tua is a concussion away from probably not playing in the NFL like ever again. So, yeah. you know, could be a little gun shy there too. We could force a couple mistakes here. You know what I'm saying? A healthy pass rush that can get to the quarterback is just it, it's up there with having a great offensive line as one of the the th- two or three formulas to victory in the NFL. And I really do think that the pass rush is going to run wild all over the Miami Dolphins. Offensive line. So I'm going to go with the Los Angeles Chargers for this one. Uh, let's see. Let's skip that one. Let's go back up to the top on this side here. And we have the Bengals and the Browns. This and could be a very good one. This could be a very good one. Or it could be a very lopsided affair. It could be either one or the other. Yeah. And I, doesn't it feel like, I, I know this is not the most groundbreaking analysis, but this really feels like it falls on Deshaun Watson. You know, whether it becomes that blowout or whether it becomes a close game. Because the Browns pretty much have everything else in place. They just need him to become the Deshaun Watson that he was in Houston. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I agree with you. And I think last year was uninspiring. I know he only played, what, six games? And, I mean, he, he didn't play football for like two years before yeah. that. So he's going to have rust. I don't want to hear about the rust now. You had a full, you know, for the most part, he was out of the headlines Bad press, at least. He was out of the headlines. He could focus fully on football. He had a healthy camp as well. I think we have to see him come out firing away. Like I we because this is a Bengals offense that it's it's when it's a well-oiled machine, it's probably one of the top two offenses in the entire NFL. So if you fall back a couple possessions, next thing you know, you're down 21-0. The game is already lost. So yeah. if Deshaun Watson could come out and and you know get a couple scoring opportunities early. And kind of look like the quarterback, like you said, that he was in Houston. I think that this is a much closer game. I do think at the end of the day, it will be close-ish, but I do think the Bengals win. And one thing to follow is Joe Burrow's injury. I know he's he's expected to play. They say they have a plan to get him ready to play week one. A little bit concerning because it's a calf injury and that those things kind of linger. And you wonder about how much he'll be able to move around, especially if, you know, Miles Garrett and Zadarius Smith have a day and take advantage of the Bengals' offensive line. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it it's still. I, I think it's actually going to be a very competitive one. I you know last year Joe Burrow threw what five interceptions in Week One. Yeah, that was against Pittsburgh. No. I mean, you know he they didn't look too ready last year. Now he's had even less practice time this year. I still I still think though that this is an extremely confident 
Bengals team, uh, you know, they have a, a ton of help for Joe Burrow if his mobility is limited. I think the offensive line is much improved. Yeah, best you offensive know, line that Joe Burrow has had in his career. Right, I mean, definitely. And, you know, honestly, it wasn't terrible last year, but uh, it broke down toward the end. They had like three, you know, start three injuries to starters. The way it's constructed right now is actually pretty impressive. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, like like I said in the other game, it's week one. Everybody's healthy. And so that's what we have to, to go off of, the you know, the, what's on paper. Uh, so I, I do think the Bengals have enough uh, supporting Burrow, even if he's, you know, a little bit maybe – Maybe there's a little bit of, a, of an adjustment period. I think they have enough around them to win on the road. But with this game being in Cleveland, would not be surprised if this is like a, a late fourth quarter, you know, blockbuster where where this is the, the you know this is that one game on red zone that lingers into the four o'clock hour a little bit because <laughs> this is an AFC North matchup. They're always competitive, uh, and it feels like the Browns are are too complete to just completely get blown out. Yeah, but I'm gonna, I'm going to go with the Bengals. I agree. Next game, not as inspiring. The Minnesota Vikings and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This does have an opportunity to be an offensive display as both defenses really aren't great. And, you know, I mean, Baker Mayfield is Baker Mayfield, but he has never been Baker Mayfield with Russell Gage, Kate Otten, Mike Evans, and Chris Godwin and Rashad White. So... You know, weapons like that could make a mediocre quarterback look that much better. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you said, that this is a Minnesota team that constantly plays down to its competition. Uh, the defense could not show up, and this could be another classic uh, four-point or less win by the Minnesota Vikings. I am going to go with the Vikings, but I'm a little scared, I'm not going to lie. Um, I do think the addition of Jordan Addison to that offense just kind of puts that offense over the top. You have a legitimate, great wide receiver two. You have a great wide receiver three in K.J. Osborne. And, of course, you have the best receiver in football in Justin Jefferson. And you have a great tight end as well. I just think this offense is going to be too much for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and a lot of defenses. I could see the Vikings playing a lot of, like, 30-point games for both sides, like giving up 30 points, scoring 30 points. And Kirk Cousins is the only quarterback in NFL history to take a bottom three defense to the playoffs. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you with this game. I feel the same way. I think, you know, with the Vikings defense, you know, I, it would not shock me at all if Baker Mayfield actually put up like a really solid line in this game, you know, a couple touchdowns, 230, 240 yards. Um, it, it, unfortunately, that's just the way it goes against the, the defense the Vikings have. But yeah, the, the offense I think is too good. And we saw what happened, you know, we know what happens with the Buccaneers defense when they play the, in the NFC South. They did really well last year. We saw what happens when it leaves the NFC South. We saw that playoff game against the Cowboys and their great offense. They got completely destroyed by Dak Prescott. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I think the Vikings offense is is too good for this team. Um, you know, like you said, they have the receivers. Kirk Cousins, top eight quarterback in football. They have the receivers. That's right. If they've got two uh, outs two Terrific tackles with uh, Christian Darrisaw, Brian O'Neill. So they got the protection. Uh, Buccaneers pass rush, not the most inspiring right now with, you know, Shaq Barrett coming back from a torn Achilles. Uh, I'm not concerned about the Vikings running game without Dalvin Cook. I think we'll be fine. Obviously, TJ Hawkinson is back in the fold now. I I think this, I think it's going to be a high scoring game. Um, I do think the Buccaneers offense shows a little bit of something, but I think the Vikings win this one. 
And, you know, I, I want to say they win it comfortably. You never know because the Vikings tend to not win any game comfortably, but, uh, but they should be the better team here. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you there. I think this is going to be one of those classic, uh, you know, how like last year the, the Minnesota Vikings had that scare against the Commanders and that they had to like scratch and claw yeah. their way all the way back. That's exactly what I feel like is going to happen like here. This is going to be way too close for comfort and it's going to be one of those games where everyone's like, oh, see, the Vikings are frauds. And then everyone <laughs> says that every single week and they wind up 13 and four. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, yeah, Justin Jefferson is like 250 yards this week. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, oh. The best matchup of the week is up next on this slate. It is the Arizona Cardinals and the Washington Commanders. I'm just going to come out and say that I said this before. It screams a 16 to nine game to me, and I'm going to go with that exact scoreline. I'm going to say that the Commanders win. I think it's going to be. This is going to be a, a very early, early test for Sam Howell because he's going up against probably the worst defense in the NFL, in the Arizona Cardinals. And I feel like even if they scratch a win through the, I mean, with the offensive weapons that he has, this could easily be a 42 to six game with the weapons that they have. But if he struggles and they don't really win convincingly, I think you're already going to have questions come about to be like, oh, well, Ron Rivera hitched his wagon to this guy. Like, you know, so I think there's a lot of pressure on Sam Howell to perform. Last year, there was no pressure on him to perform against the Dallas Cowboys. You're the week one starter, buddy. There's some pressure. doesn't matter who you're going to. You can go up against a Pop Warner football team in week one. There's still going to be pressure on you to perform. Fully agree. With that being said, I'm not I'm not going to overthink it because I have seen this Cardinals roster. Oh, no. I'm, uh, I'm de- they're definitely going to win. Yeah, yeah. No, but <laughs> I, like, I've seen their quarterback room, which, you know, it may or may not be Josh Dobbs. It may or may not be Clayton Toon starting week one. Um, you know, I, I've seen the pieces they lost defensively. I've seen the clips of Jonathan Gannon giving the the least inspiring speech oh. ever. Although, honestly, I, I'm, I've almost, I'm almost ready to defend him, though. because Do you I have that it, fire in your belly? I'm almost ready to defend him, though, because you have people, like, seriously getting upset on, like, social media where they're like, this is the worst hire ever. I can't believe – like, all right, let's, let's let him coach a game because somebody pointed out correctly, a lot of people were ready to, like – Nick Sirianni. Call, yeah, yes, to call Nick Sirianni, like, you know, a lunatic after his first press conference. <laughs> a lunatic. Um, Although, you know, sometimes it is true because Adam Gase, you know, ended up being everything ever been said about him. But um, I think the unfortunate thing for Jonathan Gannon, like I said, talent is just not there. Like the roster is in really, really rough shape uh, with or without Kyler Murray. I think the commanders can win this one. I know Terry McLaurin's status is a little up in the air. Don't care at all. I think Jahan Dotson could have a big day if, if Terry McLaurin is not able to go. I think this team's just that much better. I think everybody's that much better than the Cardinals. If there's one team that can't have any expectations this year, it's the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, you know, on the road against the Commanders team, which, by the way, they sold out FedEx Field. Hasn't happened in a while. Uh, the fan base is actually excited with the new ownership. I think they also know that they're getting a win here, so they want to go see. You know, how often do you get to go to a game and you see you get a, like a guaranteed Commanders win? So, I can't I, wait I, until the Arizona Cardinals come right. out and score 38 so I, points and just yeah. demolish the Washington Commanders. I, 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 again, not a gigantic believer in Sam Howell, but this team is uh, is a step better than the Cardinals. I think yeah. everybody is. Yeah, so this I'm, I'm, this team is a legitimate starting quarter, like like a legitimate franchise quarterback away from being a playoff team. This yeah. roster is constructed beautifully. Yeah, especially in that conference. I mean, yeah. they've got the balance. Yeah, the defensive line is, is you know, it's, it's outstanding. The secondary is great, too. The, yeah. the linebackers, they have it all. Like, offensive line, weapons. 
the uh, the only other room I would say needs needs some help is the tight end room. Mm-hmm. Still parading Logan Thomas out there as as a as a starting tight end isn't really great. Yeah, they're still riding twenty twenty when he actually showed a, a few flashes. Yeah, where he had like four hundred yards and everyone thought he was going to be the you know top ten tight end. But um, yeah, I, and also kind of just for myself, I want Arizona to call Clayton Toon the starting quarterback for Week One. So bad because when I made my NFL draft grades, how much? What almost four months? No, not almost four months ago. Let's just call it four months ago. Literally the second after the draft ended, the Arizona Cardinals were the first team I graded, and I said, "Don't be surprised." Week one, Clayton Tune is the starting quarterback for for the Arizona Cardinals. So I kind of hope, just for my sake, I know that's not the craziest prediction, but to call that four months out is pretty cool. So yeah. I kind of, I kind of hope for that uh, selfishly, but I'm rooting for you. Uh, I, you know, I really appreciate that, Dan. Safe, Dan, making the safe pick. You won't <laughs> go. Right, I'm rooting against you. <laughs> you won't go. You won't, you won't go. That's the Cardinals. unsafe pick. <laughs> Damn it! Can't flap him. Um, moving on, a really, really interesting game between the 49ers and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, this could be. I mean, I'm just going to go out and say I'm going to take the Pittsburgh Steelers because the Pittsburgh Steelers are like the most undefeated team in week one ever. Because, I mean, even the last two years, case in point, with not great teams, they go out and they they beat the Cincinnati Bengals. And then the year before that, they beat the Buffalo Bills in week Mm -hmm. one. So I don't care who you throw up there. It's going to be the Pittsburgh Steelers for me. I'm taking the Steelers. I'm thinking. I feel the exact same way as you. Yeah, like, we've also yeah. talked about this is a team with a lot of momentum because of Kenny Pickett's great preseason. They they've built a very balanced roster. Everything's improved a little bit. Even the offensive lines improved a little bit. Um, you know that Mike Tomlin has his teams ready. Yeah, I think they're going to come out ready. It's not always the case with the 49ers. I know they played. In a they lost way. to the Bears last year. I, yeah, I, like I know they played in the weather, but that that was not a great showing. Um, you know, Brock Purdy's first game post elbow injury. I think it's you know Nick Bosa. Is Nick Bosa even back yet? I mean, we're we're, we're a week out. Nick, I, Bo- Nick Bosa is going to play more likely than not. And another okay. thing too, I didn't want to cut you off, but I'm probably going to forget this point if if I don't make it. Is that. This is the worst offensive line that the 49ers have had in a really yeah. long time. They're going yeah, up against Trent arguably Williams and a bunch of guys. Yeah, arguably one of the best pass rushes, if not the best pass rush, between you know Highsmith, Casey Hayward, Watt. Like they they have a lot of really good backup guys as well. Like this could be a real nightmare for the for the San Francisco 49ers offensive line. Yep. I'm with you there. And you know, obviously Steelers home game makes a big difference. 49ers were great at home last year. They're not they're not there right now. Uh I, I think the Steelers are gonna are gonna win this one. It won't be I don't think it'll be any kind of blowout. No. Um you know, I, I it's really hard for the 49ers to get blown out as long as they have an actual living breathing quarterback back there. Uh but I think this could be a kind of a, a little bit of a low scoring affair as both teams feel each other out, offenses yeah. get going to start the year. Again, very interested to see what Kenny Pickett can do. You know, I, the the hype train around them has has reached like you know peak levels right now. I mean, I, I saw you know I've seen some Steelers guys you know pretending that he's going to go out there and like get MVP votes at the end of the year. I mean, they're super high on him. I'm not that high on him, but I I do think that he's shown all he has what it takes to be a legitimate starting quarterback. So I, I'm excited to see what he can do, and if he can do it. Against this 49ers defense, then yeah. then then he's he's legit. So it's a big test for him. 
Uh, and it's one I think he'll he'll pass, and I think they're gonna Steelers are gonna get the week one win. Absolutely. Now, before I say this, I'm gonna let you take this away for a few minutes because I have to use the bathroom. Okay. The next the next game is the Raiders and the Broncos. Take it away, Dan. Oh, uh, you gave me the one game where it's gonna be. I don't think anybody wants to talk about this for two <laughs> minutes. Um, no, but the the. I'm pretty low on the Raiders coming into this year. I'm not very high on the Broncos. Um, but this was, I think we saw these two teams play last year twice, and the Raiders, this was two of the Raiders' wins last year in that terrible year one under Josh McDaniels. They won two close ones against the Broncos. I think the script has flipped a little bit this year. Um, I think you know the, the, the Raiders had a very disappointing offseason. Obviously, they still have Devontae Adams. They still have Josh Jacobs. I think Jimmy Garoppolo was a downgrade quarterback. There's the offensive line is shaky aside from Colton Miller. Uh, the defense is a huge concern. Don't you know? So it's Max Crosby, and you know, like we just said with the 49ers offensive line, it's just a bunch of guys after that. Uh, so yeah, I, I think this is going to be a nice little landing, nice little uh, runway for for this Broncos offense to land on in Week One. Uh, this new look Broncos offense with Sean Payton leading the way. I think Russell Wilson will be will be better. I don't know if Russell Wilson will be the Russell Wilson from Seattle, but I think he's going to be better. Uh, a little concerned about the receiving, the issues at receiver for the Broncos with only, um, you know, I, I think, what is it now? Only Cortland Sutton healthy. Yeah, um, I don't think game also. I'm little, back, by the way. I don't, think Jerry back. Judy, I don't think Jerry Judy is going to play week one. No, but talking about the, the huge concerns I have with the Raiders defense. And I know I heard you from the back. Quarterback situation is poor. Um, I think this is a scenario where both of these teams are not terrific, but I think they're each going to win one at home against each other this year. I, I mentioned, too, before you left, uh, the Broncos, I think, had two close losses to the Raiders last year. These were two of the Raiders' wins in, a, in what was a pretty rough year one under Josh McDaniels. I think the script flips a little bit this year. I think the Broncos have gotten a little bit better, of course. I think the Raiders have gotten a little bit worse. Uh, I think the Broncos take this one at home, get off to a good start. You know, the Broncos are like the king of, of getting off to like a 2-0 and or 3-0 and start and then just completely falling on their face <laughs> the rest of the year. They did that like every year with Trevor Simeon. They did it with Teddy Bridgewater. I think they started 3-0. and They did, so, but they also played like the Jets, Giants, and the Jaguars. Well, and look who they're really playing bad. now. The Raiders are not good. I mean, yeah. I've got them as second-worst team in the, in the AFC. They're playing them at home. So I'm going to go with a uh, an ugly, ugly Broncos win. I think it may not have been so ugly if they actually had receivers, but they're literally down to like one competent yeah. receiver. So I, I'm going to say the, the Broncos win a little bit ugly and, and take it week one. I'm going to agree with you on that one. I know that that's the safe pick to make, but, uh, you know, like you said, it's also week one. We can't really think too much into everything, you know, because we haven't seen any of these teams play. So it's really just all surface level up until this point. So I'm going to agree with you there. I think the, the Raiders secondary is just, that's bad. I think regardless of who the Broncos put out there, I don't think Nate Hobbs and Jacorian Bennett really scares anyone. So no. uh, moving on here and uh, Marcus Peters, I forgot as well, but Marcus Peters is like statistically always one of the worst graded cornerbacks in, in the league. He's just a ball hawk. That's all he is. Um, moving on, we have the Rams and the Seahawks here. And um, I think I stated this last episode. I don't think the Rams are going to be as bad as everyone thinks. But this is a this is a team this is the team that's gonna take the NFL by storm this year, the Seattle Seahawks. I know last year at what was it, nine and eight, they made the playoffs and 
know, they had a real lapse in the playoffs. It was a tough first round uh, away at the 49ers. That was tough. No one really expected them to win. There are certain expectations on this team this year. They have probably, in terms of potential, the best young defense in the NFL. Sprinkled them with some great veterans. Offensively, great young tackles. Great young-ish offense. You know, Tyler Lockett is still one of the most underrated receivers in the NFL. I think as long as Geno Smith could somewhat duplicate the numbers that he has, that he had from last year, this is an easy 11-win team. They could win the division. They could go far in the playoffs. It's a complete roster. It's a complete team. And um, I think that they that they play the Rams and they beat them pretty thoroughly. But like I said, I think the Rams are a 7- or 8-win team. I don't think that they're as bad as a lot of people think they're going to be. Yeah, we we went we dove really deep into the Seahawks. I think last last week we we talked about how complete the roster is, and you know how there's a lot of young guys still breaking through, like the two rookie tackles from last year, Abe, Abe Lucas and uh, Charles Cross, who are probably going to be even better this year. Um, it's a, it's a super complete roster. I really do wish uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba was healthy, so we can see that right now. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, he's returning very soon. Um, but I, I I talked to you too. I'm pretty low on the Rams, lower than you. Um, the defense is, is a huge concern outside of Aaron Donald and, you know, a couple of young pieces in the secondary. Uh, and then going into Seattle, it's a, it's a, we, we know that week one, well, really any game in Seattle is tough because those fans go crazy. It's yeah. a very loud stadium. Week one, especially, they're going to be fired up. The team has expectations this year, so they're going to be ready. Uh, I think it's a really tough assignment for the Rams. Plus, we also now know that Cooper Cup is week to week. Um, I think they called him day to day, and you know I saw did, the yeah. you know, I saw the doc, the whatever whoever it is the pro football doc on Twitter saying like yeah that really means more week to week because he was already day to day, so you know that definitely sounds like he's not going to be out there in week one. It's going to be a really really tough day, tough assignment for Matthew Stafford in Seattle without his top receiver by far. You know already playing behind a little bit of a makeshift offensive line. I think this is a game the Seahawks would be embarrassed if they didn't win. I think they're going to go in. They're too complete not to take this game. So yeah. safe pick, Seahawks. Yeah, we're going to have to go with the safe one on this one. I'm not going to. I'll definitely agree with you on that one. Um, Packers and Bears are next, and uh, this, this is a this is a really. I think this is the the smallest spread. Like I think the Bears are favored by one. So this is going to be a, a game that a lot of people have opinions on. Yeah, and uh, you know you got Justin Fields against Jordan Love. Uh, it's it's a tough one, it really is. But f- me personally, I think that just for the sake of the hype train itself, I think that the Bears keep it chugging right along, and they beat the Packers Week One. Because when was the last time the Chicago Bears, any time that they played the Packers week one did when was the last time that they actually like beat them it's been a while it's been a long time so i do think chicago actually gets the job done i just think see this offense while still trying to figure itself out and trying to gel they still have gelled a little bit better than the packers offense the packers offense is littered with first-year, second-year guys, and you essentially have a rookie quarterback in Jordan Love. So I think it's going to take them a little time. I don't think they'll be as bad as people think. 
I do, I will say I kind of sort of go back on my six and 11 record prediction for them. I'm thinking more of eight wins for them, to be honest with you, because it seems like they have too much talent on offense to be held down for a really, really long period of time. And their defense is always pretty decent. So I, I think that they could be a seven, eight, maybe even a nine win team. But I think that they get out of the gate slow. And I think that Justin Fields and company takes advantage of that. And I, I think that Chicago wins week one. Yeah, I'm with you there. I, I think this is a scenario where, where, they, say it, where they split the season series. I think the Bears get a home win. The Packers get a home win. Um, you know, I, I do think the Packers are slightly better. But, you know, you factor in home field advantage. You factor in, um, like you said, the fact that the, the Packers have a lot of young pieces, new pieces to acclimate into that offense. They're probably going to take a little bit of time. Bears came out last year, week one, firing. You know, we know we know they have the offense. Like, uh, obviously, Justin Fields is a huge question mark as a passer. But we know that they can move the football because of the way they run it. Now he has DJ Moore there. There are a few more options to, to pass. Uh, offensive line out of Darnell Wright. There, there are a couple more pieces here that should be able to round out the offense. Um, I, I think – so I'm going to go with the Bears. And I'll say this game is going to be – Whoever wins, it's the fan base is going to be insufferable. They, like this is like <laughs> the narrative game of the week. Like the narratives that are going to come out of this game are incredible because you're either going to hear like, "Well, Jordan Love is incredible," or "Jordan Love is a bust," or "Justin Fields is not an NFL quarterback," or "Justin Fields is going to win MVP." Like the 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 way the people are going to blow this game completely out of proportion is going to be incredible. So I'm I'm very excited for this game. I know that the I know that it's going to be hard to hear Bears fans if they win, which I think they will. Uh but but it it seems like both teams have so much to prove that that the overreactions after week 1 are going to be pretty fun. are going to be insane just like last year where yeah it, it was completely insane when the Bears beat the 49ers in a monsoon but you know what? That's so. That's what's so fun about Week One is that like sometimes the overreactions are right. Like last year, the remember the Packers got blown out last year by the Vikings. Yeah, and and people were like, oh, you know, this happened last year against the Saints. They'll be fine. They were not fine. You know, and then but then the Bears go in and beat the 49ers, and it's like, oh man, they they might be better than we thought. They went three and fourteen. <laughs> so the, I think Week Week One, Week Two are so fun because you don't know what's real and what's not. Some of it yeah. is real. And some of it's just completely not act, not what's going to happen. So uh, every, everybody's going to overreact to this game. You know whether that's the right thing to do, I don't know, but it's going to be fun to watch. We're going to be we're going to be hearing about it next week. Yes. Uh, moving on to the Sunday night football game. Really nice to see. A little side note. Really nice to see both New York teams in primetime games. Week one, you have the Cowboys and the Giants, and the, the Bills and the Jets on nine eleven. Uh, I think the I think the the NFL missed an absolutely golden opportunity to have the Jets and the Giants Week One Monday Night Football on September 11th. Uh, I think they miss a huge opportunity there. I've said that like three or four times, and I will keep saying it. Is when's the next time that that's ever going to happen? Yeah. But um, anyway, we have the Giants and the Cowboys here. I'm just going to say that regardless of how good the Giants are, I just feel like the Cowboys have their number. I feel like the Giants just do not match up well against the Cowboys. Um, that being said, I think this will be closer than before because the, the Cowboys have really just kind of demolished the Giants over the past few years without really, without any real issues. I think this will be closer. I think the Giants are a better football team complete as the, um, than they were last year. But I also think the Cowboys are a sleeper uh, NFC Super Bowl team. I really do. I think the additions on defense 
really, really help them. Getting Stephon Gilmore to compliment Trayvon Diggs is amazing. Mozzie Smith in the middle as well. Uh, Damon Clark is going to be starting in the middle of that defense as well. Uh, adding Brandon Cooks to the offense. Really, the only big question mark is is how how is Tony Pollard going to hold up? And I think he'll be okay. I think Deuce Vaughn is going to be a really nice piece as well. I think this Cowboys team is a force to be reckoned with. I think they get the job done week one. Yeah, I mean, they've, they outclass the Giants offensively every time they match up, it seems like. You know, last year they played that Thanksgiving game. Giants weren't terrible, but they weren't, they weren't really in it because they just they, they were being outclassed by that offense. They don't have the offense to keep up with what Dallas can do. Um, you know, if this was in Dallas, I think it, it could be a pretty easy win for the Cowboys. I think it will be more competitive in New York. Uh, but I, I, I do think that that the Cowboys just have too much in the tank offensively, and I'm not sure the Giants are ready to keep up with them, even after even after all they've added. Um, you know, the, the, like you said, it, it seems like as good as the Giants can be, they just never really match up with the Cowboys. No. Even even in the Cowboys' down years, it feels like they don't. You know, they still don't line up. Like those are also the Giants' down years. Uh, yeah, I don't think that's going to change this year. I agree with you. I think the Cowboys have virtually no excuse not to go to the NFC Championship game this year. And I don't mean to say that they are better than the 49ers and the Eagles, but you know, so much can happen in the NFL that you know, between injuries and all that, it feels like they should go in and, and be able to beat one of them yeah. in the playoffs. And if they can't do it, I think this year is a failure. Um, and are the Giants at that level? I don't think so. I, they could be a playoff team. I don't think they're at the level of you know NFC title game or bust like the Cowboys are. Uh, so I am going to go with Dallas here. Agree with you that 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 roster is super talented. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I actually was on a um, I actually recorded an episode for a different podcast. I was a guest yesterday, and he was a Cowboy fan. And I was saying how like I actually am super high on the Cowboys this year, and I've never been super high on the Cowboys. Not even at just to be like a dick. Just like I don't know, they always just collapse. But this team feels different. It feels more yeah. complete. And um, as long as the offensive line can stay healthy, I mean, if you can get like 13 games out of Tyron Smith this year, I think I think that would be a massive boost as well. I mean, yeah. you got to remember that they had 39-year-old Jason Peters playing left tackle for like six games last year too. And yeah. he did a good job, but he's no Tyron Smith. So Yeah, but you know, Tyron Smith is a concern though because when when does he play? I think he hasn't played a full season since like 2015 or something. They have a super – they do have a super deep – yeah, offensive and, line though. So. Tyler Tyler Smith is a is a, a great young player too. Yeah, they've exactly. got Zach Martin back. I mean, I I think the Cowboys and Ravens are very similar in that they're not they're not similarly constructed, but the expectations are like okay, well you've got you've got a very complete roster, you know you you've the the contract drama is done, you know you've got all the pieces you filled your you filled the holes on the roster. Uh, it feels like it's time for both of those teams to uh, to to make a run. Absolutely. Like, you know, the Ravens have not been to a Super Bowl with Lamar Jackson. They they really haven't been close, haven't been to an AFC title game. Cowboys haven't been to an NFC title game in the Dak Prescott era. Both of those teams, it feels like you've got no more excuses not to make a deep Absolutely. run. Even if it doesn't mean the Super Bowl, you know, win a game or two in the playoffs, please. Yeah, I agree. Moving on to the final game, the Monday Night Football game between the Jets and the Bills. Listen, I'm just going to put it to you like this. I'm going to say that the that the Jet, you know this. We're both Jet fans. We are hungry to see. First of all, we're hungry to see a primetime game. That's not a Thursday night football game. This this fan base is ready to explode. I don't think, I know and this is crazy saying this because Bill's Mafia is always like the most well-represented fan base besides for maybe the Steel Curtain in the NFL. 
but I don't think Bills fans or the Bills themselves are ready for what's about to happen at MetLife Stadium in terms of the crowd. This is the most hyped I've ever seen every Jet fan ever be. It's it's in New York. It's on 9-11. Jets by 50. I do not see a scenario where the Jets lose this game. I, I, there's no, too much. There's too. Uh, listen, okay, that that's yes, that's too far. If the Bills win, it would not shock me. However, no, of course not. Yeah. However, I, I every you know, if you believe, like you, what did you say? Okay, what did you say before about the NFL and like, you know, it's like a storybook. You know, the storybook ending is on, right. It it just feels too perfect exactly. for the Jets. You know that the, they they can't lose this game, right? Like week one on nine eleven at home with Aaron Rodgers making his team debut. Uh, you know, and the talent they have, it just it it does not feel like the Jets can lose this game. Um, so I'm simply picking the Jets based on the vibes. I hope that's okay <laughs> with everybody. I'm not even going to like break it down. You no, know, we all know I, that I'm these are break two, it down further either. That's we all it. know that these are two really talented teams. They're going to be competing in the AFC East. I bet the Bills beat the Jets in Buffalo, which you know, it, it's just it feels like like I said with a couple other matchups. Like this is a divisional matchup where they're both so good that it feels like they're just going to split. In it, you know, home and home. One is going to win at home. The other is going to win at home. Um, it's just, it's so hard for me to see the Jets losing with all that momentum and the crowd behind them. I don't know. It, it's a 9-11, like you said. It, it's too perfect. Like, even if the Jets let us down this year, it feels like they've got to go in and win that week one game to just give us that boost. Give us that feeling for one week. I mean, and you have to think that if... I mean, this is a very, very slim chance. But we also didn't expect the Bills to go into L.A. last year and systematically destroy the Rams. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine what the freaking hype train is going to be if the Jets wind up blowing out the Buffalo Bills week one at MetLife on 9-11 on Monday Night Football? Like, I don't... I. What what would that change your outlook on what the Jets could be this year if that were to happen? If it was like a forty-one to sixteen, like Jets win. Yeah, I mean that would that would mean like we've arrived. Like you know, like this is no longer about hope. This is about like okay, like let's go win the whole thing. You know, even even though that's incredibly far away. You know, I I try to be a measured person. Like you said, we know what happened with the Bills last year. I, I had people saying like, do you really think they'll go? Do you think they can, as, there's a chance they can go 17 and 0? They didn't touch 17 and 0. They start they lost in like week four, week week three. You know what yeah. was it? Week three to the, you know, did they lose to the Dolphins early on? They did, right? I, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So they started two and one. When after two games, people were like, oh, I don't know, 17 and 0. You know, these seasons go on forever, um, and our quarterback is 39. So you know, there's that side of it too. Um, and then you know, it w- of course, wouldn't be the first time that the Jets have blown a team out in week one. I mean, we saw what they did against the Lions. It's not like we thought they were going to win the Super Bowl that year, but you thought they'd be better than what they turned they out to be. They also did it against the Bills a while ago, yeah. too. Remember that? But, you know, we, the, the Jets did not turn out, and neither did Sam Darnold, turn out to be what we thought they were when they blew out the Lions Listen, in week I'm one. I'm just going to say, this is what I'm going to end on because you had to bring him up. I don't know why. I've always had a soft spot for Sam Darnold, and I always thought that he was immensely more talented than people gave him credit for. And we've seen flashes. We've seen yeah. some incredible throws. We've seen some incredible plays. I'm going to say, remember how last year, okay, when this podcast started right before week one last year, I went out and made a bold claim that Baker Mayfield was going to be the starting quarterback in Carolina for a very long time. (laughs) Obviously, that didn't work out. 
So I'm going to go out there and make another bold claim. I'm going to say by the end of the year, Sam Darnold is the starting quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers and leads them to either the divisional round or the NFC championship game. I like it. That's what I'm going to say. I like it. I would like to be validated too. I I told, you know, some people who knew me in high school know that I was very adamant that Sam Darnold was going to be the Jets quarterback for a very long time. Like we're talking 10 plus years. Uh, It ended up being three. So I I fell a little bit short there, but I feel like I can be a little bit validated if he could just, you know, work within that system, that Shanahan system, uh, and actually lead them to some wins. Like, you know he's going to start games this year. I mean, the 49ers never have the same quarterback start 17 games, even no matter how hard they try. just doesn't happen. So uh, I would would love nothing more than Sam Darnold going in and and winning some games in San Francisco. But that 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 would help my narrative out a lot. Excellent. Yes, that I, I'm. So I've made another bold claim. So I'm over one so far in this podcast. <laughs> so hopefully, I'm, I'm I'm hoping to even the playing field there. Uh, a little bit of a long term play, but you know it is what it is. But uh, yes, sir. So how many games? Let's round it up. How many games did we disagree on? I think the Dolphins Chargers we disagreed on. Yeah. Um, you picked the Broncos, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, we we got we got the same here. We both have the Steelers. Uh, Titans. Did you pick Titans or Saints? I picked the Titans as well. Okay, so we really only disagreed on what, like two of them? What? Oh, the Panthers and Falcons. We disagreed. Yes, on. you okay. have Carolina. So, so I will be taking a two-game lead into week number what two. <laughs> so a two-game lead right I away. I don't know. You doubt you're doubting the Falcons. I thought we were all in on the Falcons together. Not, not yet, not yet. <laughs> Just give give me until week two, and then I'll be okay. all in on the Falcons. But yeah, see, this you, is you already the only made problem. me a little nervous with Dolphins Chargers because you had a very good argument for the Chargers. You know what I'm gonna do? If I <laughs> if I get a one game lead over you this this week. I'm just going to make the same exact picks as you do the entire season. <laughs> you're just going to go, yep. Because you're going to, you're going to, you're going to call it off and just you're going to have the same record, except for week one. And that's how that's my long term play. That's how I'm going. That's how I'm going to beat you this year. You're going to see me change all my picks at like uh, you know seven fifty nine. Can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> all right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. This has been episode forty four of the ASN podcast. We really, really hope you guys enjoyed. We hope you guys enjoy the NFL season. We hope that you can't wait for it like we can. And uh, we will see you hopefully this next week around midweek, we'll say. We'll try and get that episode out to you guys Thursday, uh, obviously before Thursday night football. So maybe Thursday during the day. And we will be overreacting, like as promised, overreacting to week one. We overreacted already, and there hasn't right. even been any any games. So I think I think if, I think if anybody wants some good entertainment, you go back to last year's episode post week one, where we sure. probably overreacted to everything. That's what so, we do, baby. Yep. So we're gonna do it again, but it, it feels like football is back, right? We just broke down sixteen NFL games. Now it's starting to feel like it's actually here. These games are, are, are a week away, so can't wait to watch them. Can't wait to break them down next week. <laughs>